Are y'all excited? I, I'm excited. I, you know, we've been preparing for this. Um, oh, I thought they wanted to see more of that. So. Well, you know, not, not right now. Me. Not right now. Sorry, Thanks. We'll, we'll um, come up later. You know, but I, I, so here's the thing. We're going to have a couple different segments, okay? We're going to have three different segments. The first one is going to be getting to know these two beautiful people. Secondly, we're going to get to know ourselves. And then lastly, we're going to get to know each other. Okay, so we're going to talk about singleness, waiting. Uh, we'll talk about dating and engagement. Um, but here's the deal. I want to set a, a framework because, you know, last time it was your son and your daughter-in-law. And, you know, I love them. I know Pastor Devin's probably listening right now, and he's a great guy. He's sweating right now. He's you know, but here's, here's the problem, though. You know, we did rapid-fire questions. And I was like, Dev, you know, we're going to do super quick things. And he's like, okay, that's, that's great. And then they went like probably five minutes per question for the first aspect. Like so, father, like so, son. Yeah, so what, exactly. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to go. <laughs> um, but I'm, I wanted to start um, Pastor Stacy. Obviously, this is uh, an incredible, intelligent woman of God. And, and so I wanted to ask you, in your perspective, because you're so, you're so intelligent, um, what is it, what is it specifically about bald men that makes such a perfect partner? You know what I mean? And I'm not asking, I'm not asking for myself personally, um, you know, uh, but I, I am asking on behalf of other bald men that are here, uh, what is so perfect you know, for a spouse? automatically tell who I mentor. Right. So I will tell you what my father used to say is that he used to say, God made several perfect heads and the others he covered up with hair. That's no diss to everybody else that has hair, but... So was that a comp... That was a compliment for, yes, that's a compliment. for us. Oh, God. I'll take it. Like, you have the perfect head. Everybody else has hair to cover up their non-perfect head. Or God looks down from heaven, and he sees his face on my head. <laughs> there we go. <clears throat> the glory of the Lord. Um, so, okay. Praise God. Uh, <laughs> uh, hallelujah. Um, so we're not going to get spiritual yet. So here, here's, here's what I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> so, natural to you. right. Oh, <laughs> praise God. Thanks, Pastor. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, so, you know, when you guys first met, you know, I'm, I'm sure it was, it was amazing. And so, you know, I can even ask you, Pastor Stacy, um, you know, was it like, uh, you know, you, you saw from afar, there was just this, this man and he had, I don't know. He, he you're like, is that, is that Dwayne the Rock Johnson? Like, is that, and like, was it love at first sight? Like, was it, tell me a little bit how you guys met. Yeah, it was not love at first sight. Right. Got so it. So we were friends, and the quick version is a friend of mine in college really liked him, and I was going to set him up with her because I was dating one of his friends. I had dated two of his friends. He had gone out with a couple of my friends. Wait for it. Um, so I'm trying to set him up with this girl and, um, he all of a sudden says, you know, yeah, no, I, I really want to get to know somebody before I ask them out, you know? So then he basically called me one Wednesday and said, what are you doing this weekend? And I was like, nothing. I'm, I have no clue. I'm like, nothing. And he goes, good. You're going out with me Friday night. I was like, okay. I go and tell my friend, I'm, I'm going out with him Friday night. I'll set you up. And on the date... I was a little like, slow. Oh, wow. Okay. When he started slowing down for a green light, I go, do you always slow down for green lights? And he goes, only when I'm nervous. And that was my clue. I was like, 
Oh, okay. So I really was nervous. Yeah. And from so your, just your so you perspective, know, I did too. set up the other girl with her now husband, and they've been married for 27 years. So I made it up to her. She was really bummed that I went out with him, and I was like, I like him. I'm going to take him. No, I definitely was a pursuer, for sure. I saw her, and uh, we, were, we had this uh, gym. We called it the AC, the aerobic center. And so she, it, what attracted me to her was her love for sports, and she was a very athletic chick. And um, I was like, yeah. All those twicks. I thought she'd come to all my... All my sporting events, and I thought, this would be great. She'll come watch me play my sports, only later to find out she was mad because she couldn't play when I played. So backfired on me later. But anyway, I was attracted to this athletic, beautiful woman. Amen. Uh, I think that's a great segue. Um, I, I don't know if it's just me. Does anybody else want to know about their, uh, their, first, their first kiss? Um, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow's the marriage event. You know what I mean? So we may as well start the spice now, I thought. So I don't know who wants to start. Neither. Praise God. So it was on the first date. Don't do this. He was a quick quick mover. Um, It was on the first date. We went to see the movie Ghost. Does anybody know that movie? You know, Demi Moore. Strategy behind everything I did. Um, And so we got in the car after the movie, and he let me in the car, you know, like a real gentleman does, open the car door, and then he went around, got in his seat, and then as soon as he sat down, he just looked at me, and he leaned over and kissed me. I was she stunned. did not turn the other cheek. I did not. I let him. Yes. I held her hand during the movie as well. Yes. So you didn't swat away, like, the cancels? Okay. I did not. You didn't? No. Okay. Praise God. I went for it. Um, so I was we irresistible at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, I asked a question to your son, and it got a little interesting in terms of uh, the answer on both sides. And so we talked about this backstage. I just wanted to preface it so it doesn't get a little awkward in here. What is what is your biggest pet peeve about your spouse? But let me let me add something though. Well, well, what is the thing that you love most about them, too? So I want a pet peeve, and I want to I wanna love the bald off this man. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love that my husband is so wise. He's so wise. Like, just, he's so godly, and I would never want to do life without him. Never. He's um, just, I am so thankful for, like, just raising our kids, raising our family together, you know. He was just so wise. That's what I love about him. My pet peeves. So I'll, I'll categorize that because there's Cat- lots of she them. She categorized it. Did you see that? There's layers to this. He doesn't do things correctly. <clears throat> Meaning we've been doing, who lives in Ashland? Like we have to recycle. Mm. We've been training for 15 years what goes in recycle. Food at the bottom of your container is not recyclable. Soft plastic. No one will know. That's just one of many. So I categorize them. So, yeah. Mm, Yeah. And his pet peeve, I can answer that for you, Mm -hmm. is that I train him on what he does incorrectly. (laughs) 
That is true. Accurate? Yes. But what do you love about me? She is my teacher. <laughs> I mean, there's many, your hotness. Um, oh. Over 28 years, 28 years. Thank you. I'm still attracted, very attracted to my wife, so I'm very grateful for that for 28 years. Ditto, but, here. I mean, look at him. Whatever. You just love me for my All body. <laughs> I said your wisdom. My finished. heart. I have feelings. <laughs> I have said that his biggest muscle is his heart. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that one. That's the one I thought you were going to say. But anyway, I'll take There's wisdom. There's so many. I just didn't know I'll what to choose. Take wisdom. No, I, I, I love my wife for. We're she going long like Devin and Michelle did. Sorry. Her tenacity. Um, she never gives up. Um, she never quits. And she doesn't, even though she was poking fun, she fights for us, not just against me. I do. She fights for us. She told me the pet peeve. She's always teaching me, teaching me, teaching You're me. You're a teaching smart me. man. Yes, you yes. are Whatever smart. She I said. Oh, yeah. got it. <laughs> Amen. All right, we're gonna transition. That's a big one. We have just a few minutes, so we're we're gonna transition into getting to know ourselves, right? And so tonight it's called "Before I Do." And so the point of the interview is to talk about every process leading up to somebody basically saying yes to who they're going to spend the rest of their life with. Um, and so we're going to transition into a segment, getting to know ourselves. Are there any, are there any single people in here? Raise your hands. Look around quick. Look around. If you see a bald man, grab him. Get him fast. Um, we're going to do the first question. Pastor Stacy. this is for you. Everyone quiet down. Thank you. Praise God. Um, Pastor Stacy. this one's for you. Um, how do I become whole in the waiting season while preparing for marriage? So how do I become whole? Such a good question. So if you truly believe the word of God and the word of God says, in Romans 8, 28, that he will work all things together for your good for those that love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. If you love him, then you need to know that he is working on your behalf in whatever season you're in. So when you're in that single and waiting season, don't keep looking and waiting for who you're waiting for, but actually work on you because it's so much easier to work on you when it's just you instead of like, okay, now I got to work on me and worry about somebody else in the picture. Like, you got to work on you. So what does that mean to work on you is what are your issues? You know, is it fear? Is it insecurity? Is it the, and the only way you're going to do that is getting to know the Word of God and, you know, take the time to memorize Scripture and find the Scriptures that is your issue, like on fear, insecurity, or pride, or whatever, selfishness. Whoa, get rid of selfishness while you're single and dating. I mean, single and waiting. Um, but because when you get married all selfishness comes out because you think, I deserve this, or I should get this. Try to get rid of that before you're in, you know, in a relationship. Um, so you need to just focus on, I, I'll tell you, one of the biggest things that was so attractive to me when we were dating for Derek is that he was a man of God. Like, he knew the word of God. And so he would say a Bible verse, and I was like, you know, oh, take me to bed or lose me forever. <laughs> what movie? Anybody know what movie? Top Gun, people. Goose, you big stud, take me to bed or lose me forever. Okay. Anyway, but truly, I, that Different was generation, baby. Different generation. I know, but Top Gun, hello, it's... Okay. Anyway, but that is truly um, 
that is irresistible to somebody, is like to the right person, if you are godly. Um, and the only way you can become a better person is in that waiting season is work on yourself. And you can only do that through the uh, relationship with Jesus Christ, knowing the word of God, knowing who your true identity is. That's truly what's, um, what people find attractive. Well, hey, <laughs> um, Petey, yes. this, this one is for you. So how, how do I deal with my single problems now? So I don't bring them into marriage. And even coming off of, you know, what you were talking about, wholeness, you know, it's when you work on yourself, is there, is there ever this, this place where it's like, okay, I've arrived. It's like, I'm ready. Like, I'm whole. Like, this is, this is the place that I've been. So how do I deal with my single problems now? And is there, is there ever this place that, you know, I'm perfect or I'm, I'm good or I'm ready? Yeah. Um, I think that... First of all, it's always easier now than later, for sure. Um, but in the before and the problems that we're dealing with, um, I think sometimes we're not seeing our situation correctly. So, like, if I had, if I had some keys and I pull the keys out and I put the keys on a ring, we would say that the keys weren't, the two keys, if I pulled them out and put them on a ring, we wouldn't say those two keys are complete when they were put on the ring. We would say they were already complete before they were put on the ring. So there's a mindset that my uh, pursuit of another person and being with another person is going to ultimately complete me. That's a faulty notion. God has created you to be a key, whole and fulfilled before. And so sometimes our preoccupation is I'm thinking about what's going to happen next and I'm not present with what God wants to do now. And so Paul said, single by the way, Paul said, I've learned the secret of contentment. So contentment is a satisfaction with where I am now, but it's not it's not wrong to have a desire for more with someone else as long as that desire doesn't control me. So, so Adam, the first relationship, well, for, before the first relationship, the first human being, Adam was in the garden, free, fulfilled, having dominion over everything. Before God brought anybody into the picture, he had all of that. In fact, God said, this is just good for all you singles. Basically, God said, you're free to eat from all of this, all of these trees. All of this is yours, except for that one over there. So there was all of this opportunity, choice, freedom, fulfillment. The, it's not about trees in a tree. It's about a way to look at life. This was a symbol for life. So what happens is singles look at the one thing they don't have, and they miss everything that God gave. Does that make sense? So I just think that we need to learn the secret of contentment. And singles need to realize, single means unique. Single means one of a kind. So you can have, I call it singleitis, or you can have single focus. And a lot of it is just a change of perspective and work on you now, like my wife was saying, and see your situation differently now. And it'll help you when you go into your next phase. Marriage is the bonus. It's not the, it's not the foundation of your relationship. It's the bonus from what you already have in God. And you never arrive. I mean, like, you should always be working on yourself. Yes. 
I think that's it's it's so applicable to our generation too because we feel it's the word contentment and being present and loving the place where you are and for every generation but especially now everything is is momentarily it's like this is happening now and so i think um you know the contentment aspect is is really important specifically in the singleness um, so i think that's great we'll do one more um in this section uh let me pick um pastor stacy we'll start with you so is there is there one person out there for me? So am I looking for the one? Is there one person out there? And if so, how do I know that he or she is the perfect best choice for me? So we are of the persuasion there is not just the one for you. Out of the billion of people on the planet, you know, and you got to find that one person. That's, I mean, yes, too much through pressure. God, all things are possible, but you're like trying to find a needle in the haystack. Okay, so... I, we, we think that, you know, um, when two people are committed to the Lord first, um, anybody can make it in a marriage. If they're committed to and, and they're willing to take their commitment before God seriously, it's a covenant. You know, marriage is a covenant. Um, so you can, you know, if, if you find the person that you think it fits all your different qualifications and, you know, you're just madly in love and you're both putting God first in your relationship, it can work. Um, how do you know if you found the right one is if there's a piece and if there's people that are your like closest friends and mentors, everybody sees it and says, okay, this is good. Um, it's probably a pretty good thing, you know, and obviously ask the Lord if you're supposed to be with this person. That's the best, best advice I can give you is ask God. You know, so many people don't even ask God, like, should I ask this person to marry me? Should I be dating this person? Because a lot of times he'll, he'll just make it clear in your heart, like, mm, not the right one. I think you got to, you got to, complimenting what my wife said is, I think you want to focus on, uh, I'm, I'm super like alliterative, so forgive the problem here. But you got to be the one before you find the one, or you're going to go through another one. So, <laughs> everybody is just looking, 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 you know, um, Instead of learning, 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 what is going on right now? I, I need to be whole. Here, like, I think, guys, girls, if you see a lonely person wanting a relationship with you or a needy person, you need to run. You need to run. Fast. Okay? Don't leave. It's okay. No, no, so listen, kidding. listen, because unmet need will get met. But if God's not meeting it, it gets met the wrong way. And it creates problems. And so back to the original relationship, I can't help but talk about Adam. Adam, the Bible says, Adam was alone in the garden. You're like, I know. No, alone and lonely are two different things. Lonely is needy and broken, unfulfilled, no freedom, bondage, issues, lots and lots and lots of issues. Alone is all one. One key met another key and got on a ring. Okay, so the goal, you know, is to be one and to be whole, single. Two, one plus one in God's economy equals one successful marriage. Makes sense? Yeah. Amen. That's great. Um, we're going to, we're going to transition into the last segment. Somebody say, aw. 
Um, but I, we're going to start, um, PD, I'm going to start with you. And we can spend a little bit of time on this. I, I wanted to get to this segment because I think there's a lot of um, good practical application that we can apply. Um, so, PD, what is, what is the purpose of pre-engagement counseling? What does that look like? Should we do it? And then why or why not should we participate in counseling before we say, I do? Okay. Um, so that term may be totally foreign to some people out there. And counseling could be foreign. I mean, we need to, you know, a successful marriage is spelled W-O-R-K. It's, it's work. But it's always easier to put in the work before yes. than after because the stakes are higher and the risks are higher after, the ramifications, et cetera. So I believe or we teach at Connect and we, we promote whenever possible. In other words, if a person, if we have the opportunity or to teach this and promote this and or a person comes to us or we're in relation to someone, we promote pre-engagement counseling. Here's why. Because you need counseling because you can't see everything that's going on in your situation. Everybody has blind spots. Uh, you're, you're just caught up and we're just in love and we all complete each other's sentences. And it's amazing. We sing the same songs and, and you don't know anything yet. Two people, you know, you know, like that, a year later, they're in my office, one, one end and, one, and the other on the other end. And I come in with a referee shirt, say, let's get ready to rumble. You know, and, it, and, it, and it's a big old fight. And they were the same person that was saying something a year ago because the reality has finally hit. So pre-engagement helps bring reality to the surface. And, and the, the benefit is as soon as, you put, um, as soon as you put a date on the calendar and a ring on the finger, the focus shifts from development of a relationship to the development of an event. So it's so hard to it's so hard to walk away from a, from um, a calendar thing, a money thing. It's so hard to walk away, and if you it, and and so you stop working on the relationship because you can't walk away from it because you're focused on events. So pre-engagement counseling helps people prepare objectively and see things that they need to see, and still have the ability to step back or to step out. It's crazy, Petey. I, I actually heard a rumor. Um, there, was, there was an engagement recently, and, you know, it's a beautiful couple. I don't know if you guys know Justin, Lori, praise God. Yeah. Yeah, he handsome. He um, so there was a rumor that, you know, you're the one that's, that set him up. You know what I mean? And there was like, I think that there was this, just this moment where God came through the sky, and he said, listen, P.D., they're supposed Pretty to be close. So do you, do you really hear from God? So if there's single people out here right now, they're like, hey, uh, I need to know if this is the one. Do you, do you really Sunday hear from I'm God? This Sunday I'm launching my matchmaker website. Uh, and so just sign up and uh, all proceeds go to Connect. Anyway, uh, but yes, I did, did see something and uh, we won't call it God in the beginning, but now we call it God in the end. So. Um, so, Pastor Stacy, uh, this, this is probably my favorite question out of all of them, and I, I reserved it for you because you know what I mean. Um, so, the first part is, how far is too far when it comes to dating? You know what I mean? You know what I mean by that, though? It's like, yeah, okay. And then, second, right, 
Oh, okay. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, and then... Somebody turn the temperature. Oh, uh, praise God. Uh, so then, uh, what are... So, second part is, what are some healthy boundaries to put in... You know what I mean? Like, if you're in the car, yeah. you know, with somebody that, you know, he's, he's a good-looking guy. He's a good-looking guy, and you're like, wow, he's a good-looking guy. And then she, he, he's like, oh, my gosh, she's a beautiful girl. Where's the boundary? Where's yeah. the boundary when you're dating? Such a good question. So first, I want to give you um, a couple of principles that can guide you to help, help you guide your own boundaries. Um, then I'm going to give you some rules of engagement, and then I'm going to give you some specifics, okay? So some principles would be, you know, your best decision-making skills are not after midnight in the backseat of a car or Preach. when you're in, ho- in the house alone when the lights are all out and you're just watching a the Barry a White in the background. Movie. Your brain's not working accurately, okay? So you need to have boundaries set up before you get to that point. You don't go, oh, I'm in the backseat of a car. Maybe we should set some boundaries. You know, that's not where it's going to happen. What do you think, honey? What do you think? I think whatever you think. So you want to make sure that you have boundaries Let's going tomorrow. into it. So the, the principles are, the principles are, is we always say this, nothing good happens after midnight. Okay. You could say nothing good happens in the dark. Okay, that's another one. Um, it's also, um, what's one of the other ones? We, oh, we always set a curfew. You know, we tell our kids, hey, set your own curfew, like, and stick with it. And just, okay, it's 1059, let's, we got to go, you know. 1159, we got to go. Whatever it is, set, some, set a curfew and that you're not going to be together after that. Also, set some friends with your, as your accountability and tell them. Okay, if you two think you're going to be each other's accountability and it's going to work, you're sadly mistaken. Because what if the both of you have a weak moment? You're done, you know. So um, that was so Boston. You're done. I'm from Alabama, okay. You are so done, okay. Um, So those are some kind of guidelines and principles of how you should think is to set them in advance. So then some rules of engagement would be, you know, like, if you have crossed the line before, meaning, let's say, I'm going to get very specific. So if you are thinking you're going to get embarrassed, the only people that would probably get embarrassed would be my own children. A couple of them are watching online, and one of them's here. But, so I'm Sorry, Madison. Very specific. <laughs> is that, you know, like, if you've crossed the line before and you've had sex and gone too far and you don't want to do that, you have to back up further from the line. So it's, somebody said, give specifics of, you know, specific boundaries. Like, where should, where is... Too far, too far. Like, if it arouses you and you go down a path of thinking, oh, my gosh, I don't think I can stop, that's your line, and you back up further from that the next time. So that might be, you might be able to only hold your girlfriend or boyfriend's hand, and that's as far as you can go because last time you started kissing and y'all went too far. Okay? It may be if you've never crossed the line. This is how we were when we first started dating. I, I was a virgin when we started dating. I had never crossed the line, so I could go further without any thinking that I'm going to, you know, go all out. But he couldn't. He had crossed the line before. But we kept Appreciate putting that. ourselves. <laughs> you said it before. He'd said it before. I'm not outing him. Son of the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> it is. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. But, so, so, when we kept putting ourselves. I was awesome, and he was an idiot. No, Just a different interpretation. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not totally kidding. That. I know. Um, <laughs> but when we kept putting ourselves in precarious situations, 
we did cross the line. I gave in, you know. So you have to know where your boundaries are of what arouses you. That is where you need to back up from that place. Again, it could be very different for you. So, you know, as Christian couples, sometimes people are like, well, what does a Christian couple look like in private? You know, can, you, can I put my hand, you know, on her leg? Well, if it arouses you, no. If you go down a path and think, well, I want to keep moving my hand up her leg, no. Then just put it on her ankle, you know. <laughs> There's your boundary. Them and some Cut sexy the ankles. Knees, you know? So, we Can also... I hold your toe? Here's... Sorry, sorry. Here's another principle. And this is, a, this is a great one. Everybody reel it back in. Stop laughing at him. He thinks he's funny. No, I'm just kidding. He is funny. He's funny. Okay, but here's just another wise. principle. We used to say this. If the sun doesn't shine there, the sunshine doesn't shine there, and doesn't touch it, neither should anybody else's son touch it. However, in this day and age, some of the bathing suits... When we're wearing dental floss, that doesn't work. Exactly. So think back about 20 years of what a bathing suit looked like then, and think, if the son didn't touch it then, nobody else's son should touch it. That means you boys, you're the son, don't touch it. And you girls, don't let anybody touch it. Like... You know, you, you, sh- you should have the boundaries of, you know, I am worth the wait. Um, along the same lines, and this would be a, a two-part question, uh, I want you to talk a little bit about old-school purity and holiness, but also talk to us specifically about why, do, why does God say, I need to wait until I'm married to have sex? Like, where does that come from? Why is that boundary there? Is he, limit, like, is he limiting me as a single person? Mm-hmm. Where, where does that come from? Okay, so the old school purity, like living a life of purity. Um, don't have time for this, but in the Bible, there's multiple places where it is, if you're a Christ follower, you want to live as an overcomer in this world. Like, you want to be successful. You want to be, you want to be above your circumstances. So purity and power are just connected. Yeah. It's all over the Bible. So you, you don't feel powerful if your heart condemns you. You don't have confidence before God, and you don't go before God with confidence. You don't have boldness in your, in your life and in your world because your heart's condemning you because you know that you're not disconnected from him because of Jesus, but you feel distant from him because of sin. And so that, that, so you just want to walk in purity. Secondly, I think... That our body, according to scriptures, is 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 a temple, mm-hmm. and so we're supposed to present this to God by how we steward it as a as an act of worship. So, why? What's old school purity look like? I take my body and I make sure that it is honoring God. Colossians 1 16, 1 Corinthians 6 talks about that, and then also I would just say this to both genders: when we get married, which by the way. of singles still want to get married statistically. So when we get married, we go down that aisle, you have the opportunity to present yourself a gift to your spouse. That's your greatest gift. And I don't know how to say this without sounding a little crude and maybe a little weird, but, but like, what kind of car do you want? A used car or a new car? You know, it's like, well, see, the world teaches sex. You have to experience it, try it, practice it, 
to be good at it. So I'm sort of transitioning now. So no, that's the best sex statistic. I've been in marriage counseling for 28 years. So I've seen a lot of stuff, divorces, every, and the, the big three are communication, sex, and money. And money's number one, but right underneath that is sex. And the, the, the reason that people have sexual problems is not, is not because of their inexperience. It's because of their abundance of experience. Successful sex, why wait? Because the best sex is not a result of experience. It's a result of exclusivity. Exclusivity. People who have exclusive relationships have the best sex lives by far. So it's not your practice. It's your purity that makes your sex powerful. Make sense? And can I say something on the single and waiting? Like, yes, that is in, you know, when you're dating and whatever. But purity in your relationships or just purity in your life is not just, we're not just talking about purity in sex or, like, don't have sex. Purity is you're practicing it now when you're single. It could be, you know, it's oh, yeah. pornography. It is, you know, masturbation. Did she just say that in church? Yeah, nice. because it's a real thing, you know? I mean, that's what, what people are dealing with when there's all kinds of stuff coming across the TV and, you know, just craziness stuff. Um, you've got you've to practice purity then because you're creating so habits that you take into. People think, oh, well, if I get married, that eliminates that. It doesn't. You've practiced you so long right you. that you bring it right along into the relationship with you and if I could just do this one little thing, it tell you this, that um, in a nutshell, masturbation, I think, is just the devil's plan to get guys and girls to not be able to perform when they have actual human interaction contact. Because you, you've trained your body to for, perform a, in a specific way, and then when you have interaction with a human interaction, whether it's your spouse or not, either way, you can't perform long term. It's, it's, it's a science. Uh, look it up. Mark Gunger, he's a pastor, and he said this in, in one of his series. But yeah. it was amazing. Like, it's eye-opening. When you think about it like that, like, this is an all-out attack on your, like, physical intimacy with your spouse. It, it made me mad. I was, I was, like, mad for my own children, for my spiritual children. And I was like, I'm going to do something about it. I am exposing the lie of the enemy. So it's practicing purity now. Do everything you can to practice purity now. You know, another, so good, baby, another reason to, to wait, and, and, and this is not saying it's, it's easy. It's hard. It is. It absolutely is. I, I wish we had more time to talk about it. I'm going to do a message at Connect probably in the next couple, three months on the single life that will really help a lot of people, how you stay pure and where the power comes from. So you need to be in church. But um, the, 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 the goal that God had for you was the priority is oneness or unity. Sex was created for reproduction, procreation, pleasure, but oneness or unity was his ultimate plan. You to be solely connected to someone. You become one, okay? And so one of the ways he does that is through sex. So it's really an opportunity for you in an exclusive relationship to imprint in a sense. This is a word you can look up, but you there's an imprint that takes place. When that happens... You sex is sticky. It makes you connect to that person solically, spiritually, mentally, uh, 
uh, physically. It's not just a physical act. It's all of those. It makes you sticky. Now, when you have sex with somebody else and then you break it off, you have sex with somebody else and then you break it off, you are practicing for divorce, you're practicing for separation, and you're losing your stickiness. It would be like duct tape being just being put on a sweater over and over and over again. Eventually, you find you can't connect well to somebody else because you've, been, you've lost your stickiness and you've reduced the oneness that God wanted for you all along. And that's where your power comes from. Can I give one little piece of encouragement? This is a hard one for us to calm down on. This is just, in case you're sitting there like, oh my gosh, I feel so guilty. Do not feel guilty because God can restore a spirit of purity in you. That is not too hard for him. And so you, you just have to ask for him to do that. You're, you need to pray about it. You know, ask forgiveness, of course. Cut yourself off from any people that you slept with before. But then you have to practice purity, and that's the hardest part is saying, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to watch these kind of movies. I'm not going to date these kind of girls or guys or whatever. I'm going to remain pure in my heart, my mind, my soul, mentally, physically, all that. Um, but And God can restore a spirit of purity to you. So don't feel guilt. There's no guilt. There's no shame here. You know, like I said, we did it before marriage. We got pregnant before marriage. So we're not, we're not judging <coughs> we're not. anyone That's here. That's right. So we just get we want you to learn from a little mistakes. excited about That's it because right. we want you to understand the importance of from here forward. doesn't matter what you've done before. From here forward is you can make a big difference in your future relationship with a wife or husband. Um, so we'll, we'll trans transition into one more question. Uh, worship team, I'm just going to invite you guys to come up now. Um, and, and as they come, you know, I was... I didn't necessarily grow up in a Christian church. I didn't, I didn't grow up in a community that celebrated purity and holiness. And so I remember when I was 20 years old, and I, was, I had just, for the first time, had an experience with God in a church. And I was like, wow. Like, instead of it just being this thing that I cross off, it was like, for the first time, I'm like, God actually might be real. And I remember I went home and um, I got a Bible. Like I bought a Bible. It's a, I've never read it. I didn't even pick it up. And I'm 20. I'm like, man, I can't believe I've never read the Bible. And I'm sitting in my bed and I'm reading Proverbs because it's the only book that I could understand. And I remember that there would be, uh, I, would, I would read about purity and I'd read about not having sex before marriage. And there was like this, there was something in my heart. There was like a deep conviction within me. I'm 26 years old now, and I remember when I was about 23 or 24, and, you know, I grew up in a culture that celebrated pornography, masturbation, laughed about joking, I mean, sleeping with women and things of that nature, and that was almost, like, celebrated, like, this is what you should be doing, and then I got to the church, I'm like, why didn't anybody tell me, like, the real, the real way to be a man of God, um, and so for, for somebody who's out there tonight, and you feel like you've led your whole life under this ideal, and you didn't understand, and you, nobody ever told you, I want to speak to your spirit that it's okay. And I had to realize that for myself, and I remember when I was 24, and I was like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confront this thing. It's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to, instead of celebrate the wrong way, I'm going to try to be a man of God, and I'm going to celebrate the right way. And I remember when I went to the store and I bought a purity ring and all my friends made fun of me. 
You're like, what's up with you, man? Like, this God thing is too much. Like, you need to relax. And I was like, you know what? There's, there's a right way and there's a wrong way to do things. And this is the right way. And I had to take a stand. And so if you're a man or woman in here, I think it's time that we take a stand. And I think it's time that we be men and women of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, we're running out of time. Um, so, PD, um, I would love if there was just one key takeaway that you could, from tonight, um, and maybe one thing that you could leave us with, and then we'll transition into a time of worship. Yeah, I think um, what pops real fast is, you know, I, I think we live in a culture with so much temptation, and we're facing it all the time, and we're struggling to kind of fight that temptation. And I, I would just encourage you, don't focus on trying to just do the right thing. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to do that. Just just get crazy in love with God. Focus on love. Don't focus on sin. Just focus on love. Don't focus on sin. I heard this years ago. Where, where intimacy lives, sin dies. Where sin lives, intimacy dies. So you just, you just, it's like at a garden. You're just overseeding the garden to kill the weed. You're not spending all your time pulling out weeds. Just overseed with more time with God, love for God, get in his word, you know, worship him. You know, first thing you do in the morning, spend time with him. Just get close to God. He, he, he'll help you clean it up. You can't clean it up without him. You just can't. You just can't. And it, it could seem like insurmountable to overcome in that area, but you can. Amen? Why don't you stand your feet? I want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. And the word says in Romans 8, there is therefore now, everybody say now, now. no condemnation. Everybody say no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Say, I'm in Christ Jesus. So you don't have to have condemnation. So what the enemy does right now is he tries to just get you to think about how far away, how the mistakes you made, the regrets you've made. Listen, all that stuff, all this stuff, Jesus came to cleanse you and wash you from all unrighteousness. All we have to do is just confess our sins. 1 John 1, 9, he's faithful. But you have to see it as sin, though. You have to face the prickly truth that, you know, practicing things through the world's you know, eyes and through the enemy's eyes, that, that's wrong. We, we want to see it through God's eyes. God's trying to show you not necessarily wrong or right. Necessarily, that's one of those things, but he wants to show you a better way to do relationships. He just has a better way for you to do relationships. So I don't know. I got to a point. I think other people sometimes get to a point, and I hope you get to this point quickly, where you're like, okay, I've done it that way. Why don't I try it God's way? Why don't I just try it God's way? So with every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe in your relationships up to this point, they have been filled with, if you're honest, confusion and complications, regrets, and brokenness, and you know it. And if that's you, you know that's just been that, that, that pattern or that cycle in relationships. I just want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I've struggled in relationships that way. Just repeat, repeat, repeat. Brokenness, pain, confusion, complications. God bless you all over the room. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. 
Father, I just pray for every person that's in that place, even ones that didn't have the courage to raise their hand. I just know statistically there's just train wrecks of relationships, hurt and brokenness and disappointment and regret. And a lot of it is because we just haven't done it your way. I pray, God, that you would speak to every single young person in this room, every single person in this room, and they would see there's a better way. God has a better way for them. And, Lord, I pray that you give them a vision, Lord, of the relationship that you want to have with them and that they can have with you right now in their singleness, Lord. Right now. Right now. They're, the, the opportunities that are in front of them are incredible, Lord. In fact, sometimes we go into marriage, it divides our devotion. We have the opportunity, Lord, to be single in our devotion for God and fulfilled in that relationship with God right now. I pray that you impart that to people in this room in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for supernatural, just, I don't know how to do it because we don't have time for it necessarily, but a supernatural impartation, God, of the blessing, of the joy, of the rewards, of the fulfillment, of the freedom that comes in their single life, Lord. I pray you change their preoccupation, their focus, that they can see they have all of this, and it's not just about that one thing they, they don't have right now. Lord, I pray that as they surrender that to you and as they get whole and as they get healthy, God, you'll bring him or her into their path. They'll run right into him. They'll run right into her. I pray for people, Lord, to get in connection with other people in community and relationships, Lord, that are going in the same direction, that are like-minded, that can become protective brothers and sisters in Christ, spiritual parents that right in the local church, right in the local church, the things they didn't get in their family context, they're able to get in the local church context. The, the, the dysfunction that we all come from in our homes. Lord, sometimes our churches don't do this, but Lord, it's possible that church life, spiritual family can outlast and outperform our biological families. I help people, I pray that people in this room engage in the local church. They truly connect as a result of this prayer. They lock and load in relationships, and they open up about their pains, their, their struggles, their regrets, their hurts relationally. And, Lord, and it's through those relationships and through that community they find protection, and they find encouragement, and they find affirmation in Jesus' name. And, Lord, there may be some people here listening online and here in this room that are disconnected from God. And God wants you to see something. Uh, I thought about my daughter. My daughter Mallory could be watching right now. I know my other daughter's watching. But my daughter Mallory, years ago, when she was a little girl, wrote with a rock on my car door of our, our, our van with a rock with her name. Praise God she knew how to write her name, but she wrote it with a rock on the door of my van. And I remember coming out to my little girl and saying, Mallory, Mallory, come out, come out here. And she came out there. I said, Mallory, did you write on the van with the rock? Yes, Daddy. I'm sorry, Daddy. She was just a little kid. She, she said, I'm sorry, Daddy. And I, and I had to say I forgive her. She said, I love you, Daddy. I'm sorry. And she just walked away. She had no... How do I explain to her what she did? How do I explain her to her the cost and the expense and the trouble that I was going to have to go through to repair? I can't because she's just, she, can't, she can't conceive her sin. She couldn't. But I, she was sorry. I forgave her, but there still had to be a payment. Some of you do not see, you do not comprehend. You underestimate the significance of your sin, and so you don't overestimate or you don't grasp how much grace, mercy that you got and could get from God himself. 
So some of you are here and you're in your sin right now and you're, you're disconnected from God and God wants to bring you close to him. And he wants you to say you're sorry, you repent. He wants to tell you that he forgives you and he wants to make your payment for your sin. If you're here today and you're disconnected from God, you're not sure you're in relationship with him, I want you to know something. You just have to recognize you're a sinner. You've done some things wrong. Maybe you don't see it in its totality, but you, you're, you're disconnected from your sin. And that sin demands a payment, and Jesus made it for you. You just have to accept it. If you have not accepted what Jesus Christ did for you, and you're not, you're not in a relationship with him yet until you do, I want to introduce you to Jesus. Would you raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I don't want to, I don't want to go through this night without being in a relationship with God. I want to make sure I'm connected to him. I thank you. Thank you for your hand. Is there anybody else? Raise it. Good night so I can see you because it's really dark and I can't see you. Thank you, Lord. I believe God sees your hands if I can't, but I'm doing my best. Thank you, Jesus. If you're online, you just go ahead and raise your hand. And I'm just going to lead you guys into prayer. Would you say this prayer with me together? All of you who've, who prayed this prayer before, especially those of you who just raised your hand, say, Jesus, today is the day of salvation for me. I'm sorry for my sin. I thank you for the forgiveness that I didn't deserve. The mercy that you gave me. And I thank you for the payment that you made by giving your life to pay for my sins. Forgive me for underestimating what you did for me. Today I receive salvation in Jesus' name. And everybody at 508 said amen and amen. Come on, give Jesus a big praise.